Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. The Holy Spirit to me is God's presence here on earth. Don't let us ever forget one thing. We do not just worship the Father. We worship the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God on the earth. And I'm telling you, for a drug addict to feel that, there's nothing better. I hold that today, speaking generally, there's been a silent divorce in the church between the Word and the Spirit. He's a gift from the Father. He will not give you a stone if you ask for bread, and neither will He not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I believe were the day to come that the Word and the Spirit come together, the simultaneous combination will result in spontaneous combustion, and it will result in the greatest revival since Pentecost. Welcome to Liquid, everybody. This is week two of our series, Firepower, 40 Days with the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm glad you're here. If you're listening or watching online, we got to welcome those joining us in Nutley, New Brunswick, and Mountainside. Give them a hand. We're glad you guys are with us, too. I know last week we had a great kickoff. A lot of you signed up to receive the daily devotional that we've created in the daily text. If you didn't get a chance to do that, we put a response card in your program today. If you're new, you can just take that out and just check the front where it says, I want to get that daily devotional. What we're doing is resourcing you Monday through Friday so that we can focus for 40 days on receiving more of the Holy Spirit. It's God's power in our life. We'll send you a morning devotional and daily text. You can drop that in the popcorn bucket when ushers pass it around at the end of this message today. But I'm glad that you're here. And uh, before we dive into what the Holy Spirit's doing in today's church, I want to take us back 100 years. Um, if you were to ask newspaper editors, hey, what's the single biggest religious story of the last century? What do you think they would say? The biggest religious story of the last hundred years. I think a lot of people would probably point to maybe the rise of radical Islam. That certainly is on everybody's radar, ISIS and turmoil in the Middle East. Um, some journalists would say, no, Vatican II. There were sweeping historic changes in the Catholic Church that took place in the 1960s. But some editors might say, no, 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 I'm going to point to the defeat of atheism. When communism kind of fell and the Berlin Wall came down and Lenin and atheistic, you know, governments in, in Europe kind of had the downfall, that might be the biggest religious story of the last hundred years. The truth is, any of these are, are huge religious stories. But the reality is nothing compares or comes close in this century to the explosion, the rapid growth of the charismatic arm of the Christian church. 
what we at Liquid sometimes call empowered evangelicals, where Christians around the globe, from Africa to Asia, Latin and South America, have experienced something like the Acts 2 filling of the Holy Spirit that includes charismatic gifts like speaking in tongues or healing and prophecy. Right now in the world today, there are over 600 million charismatic Christians around the globe who have not only trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they believe the Bible as their final authority for life and practice, but they also have experienced some of the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit that we'll introduce today. There has been a charismatic explosion of epic proportions starting from one single woman in 1901 who was seeking more of the Holy Spirit in her life. That's where our story begins, at a little Bible college in Topeka, Kansas, where a woman named Agnes Osman was seeking a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. She was only 31 years old in Kansas, and she began attending a Bible school led by Charles Parham, who was a holiness preacher. And he basically taught that in the last days, God was going to pour out the Holy Spirit and ignite a worldwide revival before Jesus returned. Parham believed that this global revival would be ignited when the Holy Spirit gave the gift of speaking in tongues or foreign languages that would create instant missionaries. In other words, God would give supernatural gifts to Christians where she could speak Mandarin Chinese or he could speak Filipino. Even exotic foreign tongues like New York, you know? Is the Holy Spirit talking to me? Forget about it, right? So to prepare his students, Parham had them study the book of Acts, especially Acts 2, which we're going to do today. And on New Year's Eve, Agnes uh, Osman was fasting and praying for God to give her the gift of tongues. And according to Pentecostal historians, at 12.01 on January 1st, 1901, one minute into the new century, the Holy Spirit fell. And Agnes was filled with the Holy Spirit. She began speaking in tongues, an unknown language. Those who heard her assumed it was Chinese. But whatever the dialect, Osman considered it a prayer language that gave her a new tongue, a, a way to praise Jesus and worship him more fervently and connect with God intimately. And news about that phenomenon spread like wildfire. Students throughout that Bible college were drenched or immersed in the Holy Spirit and received a similar gift of tongues. They went around churches in Kansas and other Christians began speaking in unknown languages as well. Well, Parham took this message of baptism in the Spirit down to Texas where he met a black man named William Seymour who wanted to attend his school. There was just one problem. Parham was a terrible racist. He actually had ties to the KKK, which was sort of incompatible with his teaching on the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? But Seymour was so hungry for more of God that he stepped over it. He would actually sit outside the classroom window so he could hear the scriptures. And Seymour left Texas and he went to Los Angeles. And in 1906, he experienced the breakthrough he'd been seeking. On Easter weekend, William Seymour was preaching and the Holy Spirit came on the crowd. And those present were overcome by the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And again, it spread like wildfire. The crowds grew bigger and bigger and eventually they moved to an old two-story building on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It was a ramshackle building. They had wooden crates for a pulpit and planks for a pews, and people began to come together, mostly poor people at first, African Americans and white people, and together they prayed. They cried out, God, give us more of the Holy Spirit. 
And over the next three years, people from all over the world drove to Azusa Street, men and women, rich and poor, black and white. The well, for three years, they held three services every day. And people would come and experience what they called baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it caused quite a sensation. I mean, because here were even minority groups, women, African-Americans, the poor, receiving this fresh firepower and going out to serve as evangelists and Bible teachers and missionaries around the world. And this Azusa Street Revival took place from 1906 to 08 and gave birth to what we would call modern Pentecostalism, Pentecostal. Churches like the Assemblies of God were formed in their wake. And at first, those Pentecostal churches, they met on the fringe outskirts of town because they were looked down on. They speak in tongues. They met in urban storefronts. They were stigmatized because they not only believed in baptism of the Spirit, but living holy. And so you know what people started calling them? Holy rollers. That's where the term came from because they were seen as backwoods kind of rednecky Christians. But the Holy Spirit in his sovereignty, jumped denominations in the 1960s. And several mainline churches like the Episcopalians and the Lutherans and Roman Catholics got in on this growing Jesus movement in the 70s. Suddenly, long-haired hippies and nuns are coming to Christ and speaking in tongues. And yet there's still the portion of the church at that moment that was sealed off from this 20th century move of the Holy Spirit. And that was the conservative evangelical wing of the church until the 1980s when the Holy Spirit kind of breached that wall through leaders like John Wimber, who was teaching a class on signs and wonders at Fuller Seminary. It was a bastion of conservative evangelicalism. Fuller's not known for Pentecostal leanings, but Wimber taught a class on church growth and world missions, and he highlighted how dramatically Christianity was spreading in third world nations when it was accompanied by signs and wonders, miraculous gifts of the Spirit, like healing, deliverance, and tongues. And again, Wimber's class spread like wildfire. Students lined up to get into the classroom, which doesn't happen at seminary, I guarantee you. Wimber, it wasn't just his charismatic teaching. He actually laid hands on students and prayed for them to be touched palpably by the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, some of them would speak in tongues, prophesy, experience healing. So for Wimber, who later founded the Vineyard family of churches, the Holy Spirit wasn't a doctrine to believe. It was firepower to receive, which brings us to this present day. Now, why did I just take six minutes to give you this little church history lesson? Because I wanted to illustrate what I believe is inarguably the biggest religious story of your lifetime, of the last 100 years. What started with one single woman in Kansas who wanted more of the Holy Spirit in her life has now swelled over 600 million Christians around the globe who would identify as charismatic. They believe in Christ, but they have also received and practiced the miraculous gifts of the Spirit described in the New Testament. And watch this. According to current growth trends, by the year 2020, one out of every seven people in the world will identify as a charismatic Christians. Not one in seven Christians, I'm talking total population. Let me say that again. From zero in the year 1900, by the year 2020, one in seven people in the world will say, I am a charismatic Christian, what we at Liquid would call empowered evangelical. And the vast majority of them live in Asia and Africa and China and Latin and South America. So, this is a growth stock, okay? 
if you're a business person and it'd be like you're looking for an investment, if you want to double down on your faith and get in on where the Holy Spirit is currently moving in the global church around the world, this is it. For 100 years, the firepower has been building and leaping across gender, ethnic, and denominational barriers. Think about it. From a 31-year-old single woman who wanted to be a missionary, to an African-American preacher, to 600 million people today, to well over 1 billion people by 2020. In the history of the modern church, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the single greatest religious phenomenon of the last 100 years. Today, I want to talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, what it is and how you and I can get in on it. But first, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're in awe of what you are doing around the world. Father, we thank you that you have chosen us to be sovereignly. We are alive at this moment in history. It's exciting. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, would you broaden our perspective today, open our eyes, let down our guard so we can let you in and get in on this powerful movement that you're doing around the world in churches like ours. So Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you. We are hungry for more of you. Would you just light a fire, God, right here, right now, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, you ready to get wet? You get ready to get drenched and immersed in God's word? Let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. You can flip there on your phone. We also put a notes uh, in your program today. And I want to pick up where we left off last week where the Holy Spirit first fell on Christians at Pentecost. This is Acts chapter 2. And just by way of review, let's see who was paying attention. Can you remember the three symbols that Scripture used to describe the Spirit? First, there was a the blowing of a violent wind. Thank you. Yes, wind. Second, tongues of what? Fire came and separated and came to rest on each of the believers. There are about 120 Christians at this point who were baptized with fire. And then finally, according to Acts 2.4, it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak another, what's the word here? Tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what does the scripture really mean by tongues here? Because a lot of people commonly assume that it just meant that people started speaking gibberish. I remember in college, I met a friend who grew up in a Pentecostal church, and I grew up in a, a very conservative kind of church. We never saw that stuff. And I said to him, I said, you know, hey, what's the deal with tongues? How does that work? He said, well, if you want to try it, it's actually pretty easy. He goes, pretend, pretend Tim, you're going out car shopping. And just say the words, I want to buy a Mazda, but I should have bought a Honda. So I said, want to buy a Mazda, should have bought a Honda. He says, say it again. Want to buy a Mazda, should have bought a Honda. Faster, want to buy a Mazda, should have bought a Honda. Want to buy a Mazda, should have bought a Honda. He goes, you're talking in tongues. There it is. You got it right there. I think that's how... A lot of ignorant people who aren't charismatic think what tongues is. It's this string of made-up or silly words and gibberish with no particular meaning or purpose. But if you read Acts 2, you'll see the original biblical example here of tongues is just the opposite. It says, all that were filled with the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues, which if you look in your footnotes, how's it translated? Languages. In other words, when the Holy Spirit fell on these first 120 Christians at Pentecost, they were empowered to speak in a foreign language to witness about Jesus. It was a supernatural gift. It was a miracle for that moment. Because verse 5 tells us it was an international crowd. Look what it says. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, 
God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own what? Their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Ready? Parthenians, Medes, and Elamites. Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia. I feel like I'm speaking in tongues right now. That's amazing. Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. And then it says, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Everybody. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own what? Tongues or languages. And they scratch their heads. They're like, how in the world are these Galileans these rednecky Jews from the backwoods of Israel speaking a foreign language. They're illiterate. They're uneducated. They can't even read or write their own language, and now they're speaking ours? Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Like, what? How did they do that? Did they get Rosetta Stone? You know? Did they say, Siri, teach me Cretan? You know what? How does this work? Now look. Some, however, made fun of them and said, let's say this together, they've had too much wine. Ha ha! I see why they call it liquid church. All right, a little bit of this. They're drunk on the spirit. And guys, this is where the stigma starts. Do you understand why tongues is sometimes considered a controversial gift? Because you have a group of believers who the Holy Spirit touches and gives a supernatural gift, and the others don't understand it, so they start making fun. They, they, they say they're drunk, they're crazy. You know what? If that's what it means to be baptized in the Spirit, no thanks. And that's how the church that I grew up in looked at it. We looked down our noses on people who had these charismatic gifts, speaking in tongues. We didn't want to get involved in anything that looked like maybe it was like emotional manipulation or seemed kind of crazy or out of control. But Peter, who is emboldened by the Holy Spirit, stands up in front of everybody, and he explains what is happening. He says, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's a little early for that. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says, say it together, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Look at this. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy or preach. They will speak. I, the Lord, will put words in their mouth and my people will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord over all creation. Amen? Men and women, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all y'all before Jesus returns. In other words, what's the great sign that we're living in the last days? Is it the rise of the Antichrist? Is it the European Union? No. According to the Bible, the great sign that we're living in the days before Jesus' return is that God is going to pour out his spirit supernaturally on his church for the purposes of of global evangelism, to let people know that salvation is found in nobody else except the name of Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus Christ is the sinless Son of God with the power to forgive men and women their sins and then fill them with the Holy Spirit. As verse 21 promises, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, what's the word here? Say it. Saved. Is that you? Are you saved? Could you say today, I know I'm saved. I can point to a moment where I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. What that means is I looked at his death on the cross and realized that was for me. Jesus was the substitute for my sins. And then do you believe in his resurrection, that he was raised to life so that you could have eternal life and watch, be filled with his power to live on earth? If not, I am going to give you a chance to receive salvation, to pray a prayer of salvation at the end of today's message. Join the family of God and ask God to fill you with his spirit today. We've had dozens of people already do that today. The spirit's already moving. I'm going to talk about what this means in a minute. But if I'm speaking today, just listen to me, and you feel like God's talking to you, like the Holy Spirit's drawing you, don't resist that. Even if it's your first time here at Liquid, I believe God sovereignly brought you today. And this may be the day that you actually open your heart to receive the Holy Spirit and cross over from death to life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. Now, if we look here at Peter's message to the crowds at Pentecost, you're going to see it's kind of in your face. It's very bold and direct. He basically looks at everybody and says, you put Jesus to death with your sins. You're the ones who nailed him to the cross. But then he says, watch, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has what? Say this together. He has poured out what you now see and hear. In other words, this image of pouring, Peter's like, God has opened the heavens and he has poured out from heaven his Holy Spirit. And he is saturating and drenching his church with power from on high. A baptism of water and a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit on people's powerless lives. Now, I want you to think about it. Because 50 days before, Peter was empty. He was a scaredy cat disciple who 50 days before, do you remember? He denied knowing Jesus. How many times? Three times. A little girl said, don't you follow Jesus? He's like, no, not me, not me, not me. But then here we are in Acts, 50 days later, and the Holy Spirit is poured out and Peter, immersed, begins speaking in tongues and stands before the United Nations and says, every tribe and nation will bow to the name of Jesus Christ, who was crucified and raised from the dead. He was filled. He was on fire. And scripture says, when people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, say it together, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And what will you receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what the word baptism means. It means drenched. It means immersed, saturated. In other words, something that was empty is now filled. Something that was dry is now drenched. So the Holy Spirit is a gift poured out from heaven by Jesus. And Peter's like, the good news is this. The Holy Spirit is now being poured out on earth on every color, on every creed, on every tribe, on every language. It doesn't matter your background. It don't matter if you're here today and you come from a Jewish background. If you're Catholic or you grew up Hindu or Muslim or Jedi Knight. 
God doesn't care. He's like, I'm going to pour it out on all of you all. The Bible says in verse 39, look, the promise is for who? Say these words. Is for you and your children and for all who are far off, whoever the Lord our God will call. Who is the gift of the Spirit for? Everybody. Every single person who wants to be filled with the supernatural power of God, come and get it. Come get drenched and be filled up. The outpouring here of the Spirit in Acts 2 was a watershed moment, pardon the pun. It resulted in the greatest mass conversion in the history of the church. Verse 41 says, those who accepted Peter's message were what? Baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Can you imagine? 3,000 people got saved at the 9 o'clock service. That's a miracle, okay? Some of you can barely hold your coffee. You're like, you know? Nine, boom, instant megachurch. The Holy Spirit falls. That's firepower. My question is, what happened? What happened? Because in today's church, by and large, we're not filled. We're empty. If we're honest, at times, we come for an hour on Sunday, and there's no passion. There's very little fire. The American church, by and large, is not filled with the Spirit, as we see here in Acts. We can barely open our mouths to sing, let alone speak in tongues to witness about Jesus. That was the original purpose of tongues. Evangelism, cross-cultural evangelism. Did you know there are three types of tongues in the Bible? The first is a foreign language like you see here in Acts. But the second is public tongues or interpretation, as we're going to see next week in 1 Corinthians 14. And then there's a third one, a private prayer language, where some believers still practice today, where they actually speak an unknown language that's only known to God, and they use it to praise Jesus, to pray and worship to him. And did you know this? Some of our pastors speak in tongues. Which ones? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? Come back next Sunday. I'll share a little bit about what we've learned here at Liquid. I'll even share my journey experience with this. But today, I want to highlight the fact that this gift of tongues was given for one purpose. It was to take the message of Jesus around the world and light it on fire. God gave his people a supernatural ability to witness in a foreign language. And honestly, when I've read this, I thought, how amazing, God. Would you give me that gift? I actually prayed that. God, if you could just like download that in me, because at Liquid, we have a growing Spanish population, a lot of Latino followers of Christ. Can we welcome them? <laughs> Wonderful. Hola, bienvenidos. I've been so grateful uh, because we have a Spanish translation ministry. And I've often, I actually, I was like, Lord, I repent. Forgive me for not paying attention in high school Spanglish, you know? <laughs> Maestra Marti, you know? She's like, Timoteo, you know? And uh, I'm like, man, I wish I could, you know, habla inglés, you know? Or uh, you're like, that's, I wish I speak English. That's the problem. I don't have the gift. If you're bilingual, you have a gift that God can use. Listen, this miraculous gift of foreign languages is rare in the United States. But guess what? It's not on the mission field. In fact, there are several documented cases where God has given foreign missionaries a supernatural ability to minister in Jesus' name. I think of Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. Jackie was an upper-class British woman who actually began praying and asking God for this gift of tongues. And shortly after she was baptized in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit put it on her heart to move to the walled city of Hong Kong. 
notorious for heroin addicts and drug dens. And so she moved there. And my friend R.T. Kendall went to visit Jackie, and he wrote these words. I wasn't prepared for what I saw. There were dozens and dozens of newly converted Chinese ex-drug addicts who were singing choruses and praying in tongues hour after hour. This was virtually all they did. They were singing, give thanks to the risen Lord, something they never dreamed of doing before. Jackie's method was basically simple. She would find drug addicts who were sick and dying in the streets, take them and feed them, and give them the news that God wanted to wash their hearts clean of their sin, fill them with a fresh power, and they needed to receive Jesus to be saved to receive that. And as soon as they prayed the sinner's prayer, she'd say, now start speaking in a language not your own. And they would. In other words, they spoke in tongues to come down off of heroin day after day. This is not a wives' tale. This is not a myth. In fact, Jackie was so effective, the city of Hong Kong donated acres for her to do her missionary work because she was doing what Hong Kong hospitals couldn't. 90% of the heroin addicts who came into Jackie's ministry, spoke in tongues, regained their health, got jobs, and became part of society. So understand, one woman, under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, achieves all of this, delivering people from the addiction of drugs through speaking in tongues. Does that seem strange to you? Perhaps, but in Britain, she is a legend. Her story was chronicled in the book Chasing the Dragon, and Jackie was awarded by Queen Elizabeth the Order of the British Empire for her work. That's firepower. Amen? And it makes me wonder. It's convicting to me. Yeah, you can clap. Because it makes me wonder, honestly, why do so many Christians, including me, live such empty, small, provincial lives? Safe lives, to be sure, but filled up, overflowing with the manifest power of God? Not so much. A global perspective? See, when the Holy Spirit comes... He not only enlarges our world, he enlarges your experience of the power of God. And he says, if you'll surrender more of yourself to me, I will empower you to proclaim freedom for people who are held captive by Satan's sin and darkness. So you could have a power to overcome what oppresses you. You could be filled with a power to break the addiction in your life. You could be filled with a power to witness to Christ, to people in your home, family who intimidate you, your neighbors, even people on the other side of the world. They may be in the walled city in China or down the hall at your office. When you witness to the cashier in the diner and tell her about Christ and what he wants to do for her. Have you ever shared your faith with somebody and then just kind of hit a wall of resistance? See, if you haven't, you haven't really shared your faith. People don't naturally surrender their life to Jesus Christ. It is only the Holy Spirit that convicts people of their need for a savior that they're dry and they're empty and they need to be filled. Only the Spirit has the power to supernaturally break through the wall and melt hardened hearts. But by and large, I think, the church today lives with a power outage. There is a form of godliness in the Western church. We have nice buildings. We have great bands. But we lack the Spirit's power. And the passion of God. A.W. Tozer said, if the Holy Spirit were withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would notice. And we wonder, why don't we see more people healed? 
Why don't we see more victories over besetting sin? Why are there so many divorces and church splits that are indistinguishable from the rest of society? Answer, because the church today is not filled up. We're trying to live our lives through our own strength, willpower, but that's not the same as firepower. You understand? Firepower is the great gift of heaven that God says, I am waiting to pour out into my people and on my church. And Acts shows us the Holy Spirit is not a dry doctrine to believe. He is a power and a person to receive. And I believe the church today needs not just new believers, it needs more receivers. Amen? I believe when you receive more of the Spirit, over the next 40 days, God, I'm just going to tell you, I believe, I was praying about this. I was, I was like, there are going to be some young people here. This is going to be a moment for you. God is going to call some of you out of your safe suburban cocoons to take a new risk around the world for him. Some of you young people, the Holy Spirit may be already stirring your heart to send you overseas. Let me tell you something. Fan that flame. Don't let finances or worry and logic or what might my parents say quench that spirit. That's a prompting from God. And the safest place to spend your life is dead center in God's will. So you take that risk. Amen? Take that risk, mom or dad. Tell your neighbor about Christ. That mom in your playgroup, you have won her heart through your friendship. Now pray for her. Pray for her salvation. Share God with the coworker who comes to you in the office or your classroom in tears all the time. Lay hands on the sick and the guy at work or your backyard. What's God calling you to do in your life that's beyond your strength or natural abilities? Where's the Holy Spirit stretching you? Because God said, I will pour out my spirit. When my people humble themselves and they cry out for more, I will pour out heaven's power in their life. That's what he did with Caesar Mikado and his family from Liquid Mountainside. Caesar and his three sons visited Mountainside last year, and they grew up Catholic, so they knew about Jesus. They believed that Jesus lived historically, but they had never re really received Jesus in their hearts, the Holy Spirit, until they were baptized. This is their story. I grew up Catholic. Somewhere around eight or nine, through a, an uncle. I uh, accepted Christ, but I didn't know what it was to like the full of it. At the age of 15, I was actually healed. I had asthma and I was doing really bad and I was uh, healed instantly. And that still didn't make me a full-time follower. A year ago, I started uh, listening to Christian radio stations. Something kicked in, uh, I went to a, a concert and uh, from there, it's just, that's it. That's when uh, we started looking online and uh, we found liquid. It was on Easter, the Easter service, when I decided to baptize, uh, I, without me knowing, my children also, all by themselves, came up with the same, it was like, you know, Dad, I accepted the Lord and, uh, and that's what we want to do. We all want to get baptized. So, you know, we all got baptized the same day. Everybody was praying and I was wishing my heart. I said, God, please, please. But I didn't want to push them. It was their own decision. And I looked and I saw all the hands up. I choked up. I, I was crying. I said, thank you, Lord, because it's a, a prayer answered right there. You want your kids to, to feel the warmth of God in your heart, and, and they were doing them alone, one by one. 
It, it was just great. I, I, I couldn't stop crying. I remember I couldn't stop crying. Since we, you know, we, we got baptized and we, we attend church on a regular basis now, uh, Sundays is a great day. Uh, since the time we get up, you know, to get ready, worship actually starts here. Starts at home, like a good hour through breakfast, and uh, right until uh, you know we, we go over the mountainside. Couldn't be happier. There is no inheritance that you can give your kids better than that. It's salvation of their lives. Having trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? A father and his sons, they were baptized as a family. Again, raised Catholic, knew about Jesus, but not in a personal way, just kind of more religion, not a relationship. God even touched Caesar with a supernatural healing, but they realized at one moment that they had to receive God's love in a personal way, and that's what baptism is. It is being immersed, immersed or drenched in the love of God, and they got baptized together. In fact, Caesar was the 1,000th person baptized at Liquid Church. Is that incredible? Praise God for you, Caesar. Can we hear it for him? Man, that's what it looks like to be a spiritual leader in your family. See, sometimes the Holy Spirit changes a single life, but sometimes he changes an entire legacy. The good news is this. You can change your legacy. We are hosting fall baptisms at every single Liquid campus this November. Jesus was baptized, and he says, now you be baptized. This is your next step if you are a Christian. All you need to do to sign up is check that little box on the back of your response card today that says, send me dates and times to be baptized at your campus and drop it in the bucket. But we're hosting these all around liquid because we believe God's up to something big. And at the end of these 40 days, receiving the Holy Spirit in baptism, they are linked together in Scripture. Look what Peter promises in Acts 2. He says these words, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, everybody, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And what do you receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say, Pastor Tim, what can I do to receive more of the Holy Spirit? Scripture actually gives you a clear example. It's like, be baptized, okay? This is one of those only verses in the Bible that says, hey, if you do this, you will actually receive the Holy Spirit. And you can be baptized at this church next month at your campus. If you've never been baptized, this is your next step as a follower of Jesus. So you can sign up today on this response card. Drop it in the popcorn bucket when I end the message in a few minutes. We'll send you dates and times. And here's the deal. At your campus today, there's a baptism booth in the lobby. We have a little bag for you. It has a free CD, some information about it. And you can pick that up on your way out. But this is important for you to know. If you're here today and you're like, man, I feel dry and stale in my walk with Christ, you can be drenched. If you're like, I feel empty, you can actually be filled. Now, what I want to clarify here is what the difference is, is between water baptism and spirit baptism. Because there's two kinds of baptisms in the Bible. Water baptism, when you go under the water, like you saw in the hot tub, and some of you are going to do in a few weeks, you're identifying with the death and burial of Jesus. Just as he went in the ground, you go in the water. 
you're washed clean of your sin, and just as Jesus was raised to new life, you're resurrected to new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. But baptism in the Spirit, as it's described here in Acts in the New Testament, is a little bit different. It's an empowering for ministry, supernaturally. Evangelicals believe baptism in the Spirit actually happens at conversion. In other words, when you receive Christ, you actually receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Scripture teaches it. I think it's accurate. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes this. He says, no one can actually say Jesus is Lord except by what? The Holy Spirit. In other words, it's impossible to give your life to Jesus without the Holy Spirit. So at the moment of conversion, you receive Jesus, you receive the Spirit. So technically, there's no such thing as a non-Spirit-filled Christian. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul actually writes, we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So in Paul's mind, there's no such thing as a non-charismatic Christian. It's just part of the package that comes along with saving faith. So that's a wonderful truth. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But there are some Pentecostals who say, well, it's one thing to believe in Christ. It's another to receive the Spirit. Because baptism in the Spirit, they would say, is a secondary experience that takes place after you're saved that is accompanied by speaking in tongues. And there's evidence in the Bible to support that view too. For instance, in Acts 19... Paul actually meets new believers in Ephesus, and he says, there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. You know, we're new to this whole thing, you know, it's not on our radar here. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism with water, they replied. John's baptism, Paul said, was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one to come after him, that's in Jesus So on hearing this, they were what? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So water baptism always follows belief. But then it says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So notice the order. They believed in Christ, got baptized in water, but then in a miraculous way, they spoke in tongues and prophesied, which begs this question. Is speaking in tongues always proof of being baptized in the Spirit? Again, that's what most Pentecostal would say. They would actually say, if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't been Spirit-filled, which I believe is a mistake, because it means that you have to throw away thousands and thousands of Christians, sincere believers down through the centuries who have ministered powerfully but never spoken in tongues. I mean, does anybody here really want to say, Billy Graham, good guy, not filled with the Spirit? never spoken tongues. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Charles Spurgeon, Elizabeth Elliot, great people, not spirit-filled because they never spoke in tongues. Not me. As we'll see next week in 1 Corinthians, Paul actually says, do all speak in tongues? And the obvious answer is no. We must never forget this. The charismatic gifts of the Spirit are sovereignly given by God, and he pours them out on whoever he pleases. So get the big idea. Don't get caught up in the when and the how of spirit baptism. Focus on the who. Who does God want to fill today? The promise is for who? You and you and you in the back row and you over there and you in Mountainside and you in New Brunswick and you in Nutley. God wants to fill all of you all so that you have the power of the Spirit to be his witness in Jerusalem and Jersey and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. He wants to empower you and enlarge your world. So here's my question to you to close. Do you believe right now today you are filled with all the power that God has for you? Right now, you've got it all. 
You're like, Tim, this is not for me because I got all the power I need right now to serve my spouse, love my kids. I pray for people, they're healed. I walk in victory in every area of my life. Are you filled with all the power that you believe God has available for you? Because I'm not, all right? I know that God pours out his power on me every morning when I spend time with him. But my one problem is this. My problem is that I leak. God fills me up, but then a lot of it leaks out. I prayed for two hours this morning before preaching God's word to you. I'm like, God, you're going to have to fill me with your power. But then I was on my way here, and then all of a sudden I got cut off, and I start leaking. (laughs) And someone sent me a rude email, and I start leaking some more, you know? And little by little, I leak all over the place. I get home at night. I am am bone dry. I am like catatonic on the couch. Not just energy, but I can feel that. The point is, every Christian needs to be filled fresh daily. And good news, God has the power to fill you again and again and again and again. So let me make this personal for you right now. Whatever your church background is, whatever your theological orientation, are you willing to ask God right now for a deeper filling of the Holy Spirit so you could be a more effective witness? So you can worship with more passion. So you can witness boldly. And the love of Christ actually spills off of you and onto other people. Look at that, it's gone. I'm going to ask you right now, some of you, to take a bold move. I'm going to ask you to to stand up and ask God for more. Some of you, it's going to be asking for salvation for the first time. But more of his spirit, more of his love in your life. I mean, can I just be honest? If there's more of the Holy Spirit for you to experience, I want that, don't you? Amen? Listen to me. God has been very good to us as a church. I praise God that his spirit moves at liquid. We baptized a thousand people. It took seven years. It's still pretty amazing. But I read Acts 2, and I thought today, this week, I was like, wouldn't it be amazing to witness a Pentecost in our day? 3,000 people saved in a single service like Acts 2. And I, then I thought, will we ever see a Pentecost in our lifetime? Let me give you some good news to end. We are. Every single day. See, because our part of the kingdom is so small, and we get so self-absorbed at times, we have no idea how powerfully God's Spirit is moving across the globe. Right now, today in China, do you know how many people will receive Christ as their Savior? How many people today? 28,000 Chinese people will decide to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior today. In other words, more than nine Pentecosts take place in one day in China with a church that has no building. It's underground and persecuted. In Africa today, more than 20,000 people will bow their knee to Christ every day of every week of every year, even in West Africa. The only thing spreading faster today in Africa than the Ebola virus is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's saving lives, amen? There's seven Pentecosts every day in Africa, even the Middle East, in Iraq of all places, right? We talk about a region on fire and turmoil, right? People look at Islamic countries and say, what's the use? Just bomb them to the Stone Age. Listen to me, don't you dare. There are more Muslims in Iraq and Iran who have become Jesus Christ followers since 1980 than the previous thousand years combined. More Muslim converts to Jesus or Isa in the last three decades than a thousand years. The spirit is moving powerfully in the Middle East across the globe. And I know we don't see it in the news. All you see is sin and carnage and chaos. But the truth is the kingdom of Christ is winning the war. It's winning, not in the talking tanks, bombs, drones. That's human firepower. 
I am telling you, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is advancing with the firepower of the Holy Spirit. China, Africa, and Iraq, I could go on and on. But this explosion is leading 60,000 people every single day to receive Jesus Christ. A Pentecost every hour. And the fuse got lit here in Acts 2. And it's spreading. By 2020, over 1 billion people on this, one in every seven people on this planet, will bow their knee and confess with their mouth in their native tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. Amen? Have you confessed that? Are you part of this? Do you want to get in on this? You have a chance to be part of the greatest spiritual story in our lifetime. It is spreading like wildfire around the globe. And this is a moment of salvation for some of you. God has been speaking to you today. That's not me. That is the Holy Spirit saying, I want to forgive your sins. I want to wash you clean. And you're going to walk out of here knowing that you're embraced by God, that you have eternal life in heaven. And I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit right now. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you at all of our campuses, if that's you today, God's speaking to you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet in 30 seconds so I can pray for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. So all of our locations right now, let me just pray. Father God, I ask, thank you, Holy Spirit. We've sensed you here now. You're already moving, God. Moving across the nations. And in this room, you've, you've come to New Jersey. Father God, I thank you for men and women. Right now, pour it out on them, God. May they have the courage. Fill them with the courage to stand now and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up to your feet right now, wherever you are. Just stand up. Go ahead. I'm standing. Just stand me and join. Praise God for you, sir, in the back. Awesome. Praise God for you, man. Two people over here, a whole family, three people right here in the front. In the back, three people I see you. Praise God. All of our campuses, you just stand where you are. You're receiving salvation today. Praise God for you. Husband and wife right there. Just, just open your hands. Just open your hands and just, just pray these words after me. Father, I'm coming home. Father, I'm coming home. Thank you for Jesus. I turn from my sin and I turn to him. Forgive me now for all of my known sins. Cleanse my life. Fill my heart and give me the Holy Spirit. Father God, right now, pour out your Holy Spirit. Let these people know that in the name of Jesus Christ, their sins have been forgiven. You are filling them right now. God, I pray an anointing on their life. They will never be the same. Today, you are, you are marking them, God, with salvation. You have a purpose and a destiny. Some of them are going to move across the world and witness for you. God's strongholds will be broken in some families. I pray marriages would be supernaturally repaired and healed. God, God, thank you so much that your family is expanding and that we see it in your kingdom today, right now. Father, bless them now. Let them know they have been forgiven and accepted and filled. And I ask that in Jesus Christ's name. Everybody said together, would you welcome our brothers and sisters? Praise God for you guys. That is awesome. That is so, that is so awesome for you. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you are inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.